This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We will be joined by Jordan Runon at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk a little Giants football and let's see how they are progressing as they get ready for their first preseason battle with the New England Patriots on Thursday. Then at 8.30, we'll be joined by our NBA front office insider. He is Bobby Marks, formerly of the Nets, and they are certainly in the NBA news right now, right? So uh, he's got a lot to say. I saw him earlier today on our platform of network, so we will chat with him and get his thoughts on what's going on in Brooklyn and what's going on with the Knicks, too, about that possible trade. Is that trade ever going to happen, or what's going on? So we have a lot to do tonight until 10 o'clock. We're glad you could stop by. We begin with a little baseball. The Mets are in a rain delay. The tarp is on the field, so they will not start uh, right on time. Uh, They were scheduled to start at 7-10. Uh, Carlos Carrasco on the hill, who amazingly, amazingly is fourth in the league in wins. He's got 12. And you know how I've been with Carrasco. Since he's been here, I've not been overly impressed. This year has been the the year that uh, you have to take your cap off to Carrasco because he's been very consistent. He's been a, a stable in that starting rotation. He's been a guy that has continued the work. He's not been a person that has had bad outings. He's minimized damage. He's done a very good job, and he's been rewarded. And that's why when you talk about part of the reason why this Met team is projected to do a lot of stuff going forward in the postseason, it's because of that starting pitching staff and the depth of that part starting pitching staff. You saw last night Chris Bassett was outstanding as the Mets continued their winning streak, beating the Cincinnati Reds, and, uh, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. You beat the bad teams, and that's what they did. Cincinnati's a struggling team. You're supposed to take them out, and that's what they did last night. So congratulations to the Mets, and let's keep it rolling. So hopefully this will be a short delay, and they will get started and continue the winning raise. And again, it's about timely hitting, and again, it's about contributions from guys that the Mets picked up at the trade deadline. Okay, or right before the trade deadline. And so once again, Uh, this is what's been great about this team. This has been the success of this team that everybody has contributed. And as you move forward and you start to look at, we are in approaching the middle of August, heading to September, where you really start to ramp up, right? You really start to, okay, let's set forth our pitching rotation. Let's start to rest guys as we look forward to October. And you have to say that The more Jacob DeGrom pitches, the more he stays healthy, the more confident you have to be as a Met fan about the success of your team going forward. We've already alluded to how well they have played even without having Jacob DeGrom until a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Right? So they didn't have him until a couple of weeks ago. And they still had among the top records in the National League and in all of baseball because of the depth of this pitching staff. And it was the Taiwan Walkers. It, it's been the Ty- Taylor McGills. It's been the David Petersons. It's been guys who have been inserted into that rotation to take Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom's slot. And it's also been the guys who stepped in the rotation to take Matt Scherzer's start while he was out. All right, so now with these top two guys back heading the top of your rotation and you're looking into any series going forward, I mean, I'll take my chances 
with DeGrom and Scherzer. I'll take my chances going into any series against any team in the majors. I will. Now, my concern would be, especially from the DeGrom standpoint, of are they going to score some runs for him? Right? That, that's the issue. But other than that, I know that both guys are going to keep me in the game. Both guys are going to – I'm confident both these pitchers are going to give me an outing, seven-plus innings, two runs or less. I'm confident. That's what I expect. That's what I'm looking for from these guys consistently. Of course, there may be a blip here or there, but postseason, that's what I am expecting. And then I turned it over to my bullpen. And, you know, I've, I've, as I mentioned, I've got my three and four starters, so I've got other guys in there. I can move them to the bullpen to add depth. I've got some relievers. I would have liked another reliever or two, but listen, I can't, I'm not going to quibble with what's done. It's, all, it's done now. It can't be changed anyway. So that's how I feel. So I'm, I'm feeling very confident about this Met team right now, especially going forward. If they continue to play, continue to be healthy, and continue to get the contributions that they've gotten from everybody. And, and we talk about the new guys, and rightfully so, but it's been, it's been the guys who've been here all year, right? Marte is on the hot streak now. This is the Marte who's been in and out of the lineup a little bit from some nagging injuries. Not a long time out, but just in and out of the lineup. And he's been steady in the outfield all season. He's got a great arm. You love what he brings to the table. You love his his bat speed and everything there. So the Mets have done a great job. And so we just hope that they just continue to roll on the way they have. Last night I thought was, I'm not going to say a big win, but it was as necessary a win as the Yankees needed in a while. Okay? And even then, they got bad news. So let's start with the good news, okay? They were able to win. They were able to score a bunch of runs. The bullpen held up. Jamison Tyon was not bad last night. He knew he needed to eat some innings, and we'll hear from him in a second. And so you enjoyed the way he performed. This is similar to the to the uh, Jamison Tyon that you have to have the rest of the year. Okay, you need him to pitch like this, where – He's finishing off guys, right? He's not getting his pinch count up so high on consistent batters that he becomes predictable and he's got to move and he's got to go with the fastball and then it's right down the middle and it's out of the ballpark. Now, he did give up gave up a home run last night and early in the game, I was a little concerned watching because he was wild inside. But he was wild inside to righty. So if you're going to be wild inside, that's the place to be wild inside, not messing up all over the play. I thought he was overcompensating a little bit, but he was able to get things squared away. So for him, it was a great effort. As far as Aaron Boone was concerned, he really enjoyed the effort from his starter last night, Jameson Tyon. We were really thin tonight. You know, we had a number of guys down. So I had Lucas for length, but really not much on the backside of that. So I was going to let JMO run there. You know, obviously, once he, if he would have had to get up to, you know, 35, 40 pitches, then, then we would have had no choice. But he was going. You know, they, they strung some good at bats together against him. I thought he threw the ball incredibly well all night. You know, I had the three walks there. And really just the, but the Crawford at bat was a really tough at bat against him where, you know, he kept making pitches and, and Crawford just kind of outlasted him. But, you know, it was a big-time effort by him. We needed it. And Tyone said he knew his job was to eat some innings. Yeah, I was, I was decently aware of it. Um, you know, obviously the goal showing up is to go as deep as possible, but um, sometimes when you have that sense of urgency, that can kind of help propel you to, to actually go out there and do it. 
So it was a big win for the Yankees last night. Aaron Judge, another home run. Uh, great job by him. He continues to, you know, not just hit home runs, but he continues to hit for average. He's done a great job. He's having an MVP season, and boy, do the Yankees need that. But it was nice to see that they got some contributions last night, and Josh Donaldson was huge. Uh, home run, a uh, couple of big hits. He was, this is the Josh, last night was the Josh Donaldson you thought as a Yankee fan you were getting from the beginning of the season. And what he was able to do last night and his, listen, defensively, he's been okay. He's done a nice job. He's made a couple of errors here and there, but for the most part, he's given you what you expected defensively in the field. It's been his offense that has really struggled. And what, if he can pick up and get on a little streak right now, Boy, would that help this lineup immensely. But there was sad news for the Yankees last night. When we return, we'll hear from Matt Carpenter, who got injured on a freak accident. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Jordan Runon will join us at the bottom of the hour. Talk a little Giants football. This, if there was, listen, nobody wants a, nobody wants an injury, especially this time of the year in baseball. But if there was one person you could not, could not spare, if you're a Yankee fan, it's Matt Carpenter. Just listen to Aaron Boone on how huge a loss Carpenter is by a fracture of his foot. Factor in that room, and you know everyone loves him, and, and he's been incredibly productive. It's a blow, you know. Hopefully, we get him back at some point. You know, get it, get the diagnosis, and 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 how long it's going to be when he sees the, uh, you know, I think the foot specialist and everything. So, but we'll pick him up. All right, now hearing from Matt Carpenter, who spoke to the media, he said he knew right away it was a bad injury. I knew it was broke. Like I knew something was wrong when I did it, but I thought that I could finish the bat and get that run in. Um, but then when I went to swing on the next pitch, I mean, as soon as I started to like plant and rotate on that back foot, my like lower body like gave out and I wasn't able to. I mean, thankfully, I mean, probably the best thing that happened to swing and miss her because if I'd have hit it and had to run, I might have made it worse. So, but I knew it wasn't good. All right, Matt, do you think you could return this year? It's obviously not ideal. I mean, you know, pretty pretty disappointed. My mindset is that this won't be the end for me here this year. I mean, I'm hopeful that I can come back and contribute. And don't have a timeline yet, but I'm hopeful for the best. Josh Donaldson spoke to Yes after the win last night and weighed in on the loss of Matt Carpenter. Not only has he been a great in the field, but he's been great in our clubhouse, great clubhouse presence about him. You know, we're definitely bummed that that happened, and he was, you know, really locking in as a key figure for our, our lineup. And uh, as the motto is, you know, next man up, but, you know, he will be missed for sure. All right, so we'll see how the Yankees will uh, move on without him. They have brought up Miguel Andujar, and once again, here's another opportunity for Andujar to show what he can do in the major leagues. This is a big opportunity. He's going to get a chance to play. I know that is obviously you're missing some power. Uh, you know, uh, Carpenter's been able to hit some home runs. Uh, and Duhar has not shown that power that uh, Carpenter has this season. And plus, you got righty versus a lefty. I'm sure Yankee fans would rather have the lefty in the lineup. But listen, right now it's about treading water until he gets back or finding if, if he can get back. 
but it's 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 hopefully Miguel Andujar gets a chance to show what he can do, and he hasn't been able to do that consistently. You've been trying to find a place for him. Now you could slide him into that DH role. You don't have to put him in the field until, uh, you know, until uh, Stanton gets back, and then you have to find the spot for him to keep him in the lineup. But he's done a decent job in left field, so maybe you can do some stuff there. We'll see what happens. We'll see where he goes. You put him at third base. We'll see what you do with Andujar, but that's a terrible loss. Terrible loss for the Yankees with the way that Carpenter's been playing. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. Brian's in Houston. Brian, you're up first on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry. It's always uh, good to hear from you. I'm usually uh, a, a K regular, but uh, I, I love your voice. Uh, when you come on late at night, you're kind of like Delilah. You just put me right to bed. I love listening to you. <laughs> you know what? That's a heck but, of a compliment because Delilah's done a great job for a number of years. That's a great compliment, Brian. What can I do for you, my friend? <laughs> yes, sir. Just uh, I, I want to make a comment and then see what you think. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Mets fan, but um, I'm not too concerned about the Yankees. What scares me about the Mets is their starting rotation. You know, you got Scherzer, you got Stegron uh, coming back, and, and then their bats are heavy. I, I, I see the World Series as Astros and Mets, and, um, you know, I, I think we'll blow right by the Yankees, but what really terrifies me is the Mets, and I want to take what, what you think about that World Series prediction, but I think we'll take them in seven. Um, in the World Series. What do you think about that? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Larry. All right, Brian. Thanks for the for the phone call and the kind words. That would be an interesting World Series. I think the pitching matchup is outstanding there. Once again, Brian, I'm telling you, I hear what you're saying about the Met bats, but I do think that there's enough versatility in that lineup that it could give Houston some issues, right? I, I just do. And I'm very – and I love my closer. I love what Diaz is doing. And if Diaz can continue to pitch the way he has during this season, uh, I'm confident. I'll, I'll go to war with, with my guys, DeGrom and Scherzer, at the top of that rotation. And I think Bassett is a nice number three. I do. So I, I, I would, I'm, I'm confident. I hear what you're saying about their pitching. I know what you're saying about the Met Bats. But I do think there's enough versatility in that lineup where they can be able to score some runs. Remember, this is not really a home run hitting team. They can hit home runs, but they're not a home run hitting team. And and when you think about it, Peter Alonso has is hitting home runs, but he's he's done a nice job average wise and spring the ball all over the ballpark too. So I I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh the Mets Reds game is in a delay, as I mentioned. The first pitch will be at eight o'clock. They're taking the top off the field, so it'll take them a few minutes to get the field ready. Spike since AP. What's up, Spike? Hey, I'll be real quick. I know you got guests tonight. So I broke down the game with the other Beaver guy, the other CCNY guy and uh, on the Mets game. And he said to me, he says, roll it by Larry. Yeah, like I'm an interpreter, you know. He just can't call it this <laughs> thing. No, it, we have fun with it. And he said, uh, ask Larry, because he says, obviously Buck thought we got the uh, playoffs mapped out already. <laughs> We're pitching. Probably does. But, uh, yeah, he said Carrasco is the least likely to go to the bullpen because he's noticed that when Carrasco does get hit, it's early. Uh, I'm sure his observation is correct. And the last thing he said that you can pick and choose between the other three starters. You're only going to need – they're going to pitch four times in a, in a five-game series, if need be, the big guys. And in the seven, uh, based upon travel, if it has to go seven, they'll get at least four, Right. 
Well, they'll probably get, I would say they'll pitch two times in the five and three times in the seven. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three, to- three times each in the seventh? I, th- I think wow. they'll pitch three times in the seventh because depending on how, it, it depends, Spike, on how they stretch out. It depends on your off days. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. See, well, that's what it does. It depends it, on the off days. Let's hope so, you don't need seven, you know? Yeah, I hope not. I'd, I'd like to do no, it in they, four. <laughs> Larry, yeah, the last three days I talked to you, I really enjoy it. We break down the, everything like we do with hoops, but uh, this thing and the thing I sent you with Bill, this thing, yes. they just look like the team. They, they just, just keep everyone healthy, right? That's all That's all we're hoping for, Spike, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. That's all we're looking for. Just stay healthy. Don't get hurt now, please. Please. Tim's in Little Silver. Hey, Tim, you're next on 98. Uh, hey, Tim. I mean, hey, Larry, how you doing? I'm all right, Tim. How are you? I, I, I got my two kids in the car, Devin and Kai. Uh, five hey, guys. And two and a half, so I apologize. Um, great kids. But I was calling. We just got in the car. We left people over tonight. And I heard a Mets fan calling saying how he's worried about the Mets with regards to their lineup and pitching. I, I don't even know if he was really a Mets fan. Well, he is. He was really a Mets fan, Tim. He was concerned facing the Astros because he believes the Astros are going to be in the World Series, and he thinks it's Mets Astros in the World Series, and he's very concerned about Verlander and company. And, and listen, I understand really? his thought process. He but, is. But, 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 Larry, the Mets have great pitching, but also their lineup doesn't need to hit home runs. They grind out. They make it, They make the pitcher work. Whatever it is, we don't rely on one particular thing. I mean, I'm a little worried about the bullpen the other night with Rodriguez or the lefty that came in against, um, I forget what it was. He, he, he makes me nervous. I think they'll make another move. But this lineup is tremendous. I, I mean, I wasn't happy with the trade moves during the trade deadline. But who am I to complain? Volgerboff or whatever his name is, the, the, the white yeah. uh, rhino, yeah. who, I, who I wasn't happy with, is awesome. Yeah. The other guy, Ruff is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that grinds. They never let a day go by where they take it for granted. They have great manage. They have a great manager. And, and that guy, I mean, think about it as a Mets fan. When when did we ever have a time to just relax and enjoy watching a team play? Well, I don't listen, care Tim, about the Yankees anymore. You know what I'm saying? You. And listen, Tim, and thanks for the phone call. I hope you and you guys uh, get home safe. That's what I'm saying. To, that's what I was saying. Just the fact that we're talking about a World Series <laughs> in August. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Listen, I hear what you're saying. I just think that the the other caller, uh, Brian from Houston, was a little concerned about the inability for the Mets to score, as I mentioned, when DeGrom pitches. So, you know, you got and, – and just – you know, you're just not sure what goes on in Houston. You just got that – you know, there's that little – there's that little nagging itch in the back of your neck. <laughs> it's like – you know, what's going on down there? They have so much success there. They're more successful at home than they are on the road in a lot of cases. So I just think that that was one of the things he was looking at. Ace is in Brooklyn. What's up, Ace? How's it going, Larry? I just wanted to talk to you about uh, the Jeter doc and how it's going. I absolutely love it. Okay. But on the last episode, one of the people they were interviewing, I believe he was a writer or something. Okay. And he made a comment like he believed Jeter to be colorless. And, you know, as a black man who's a, a big baseball fan, I always found it like a bit disconcerting how, like, they don't really acknowledge Jeter as a black man in mm. baseball. 
Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you had any problems with what he said because it seems like Jeter had problems as well. I didn't. I haven't seen that yet, Ace. To be fair, so and thanks for the phone call. So I can't comment on it. Haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's something that I've heard before about him. I'm sure he does have an issue with it. I'm, I'm matter of fact, I know he does have an issue with it. Uh, but I just think sometimes people view that because of the fact that he wasn't a person, as he's said in this documentary, that his the media's job was to get headlines, and he wanted to make sure that he didn't do the media's job for him, so he didn't give him headlines. So I think that might be some of the some of the um, comments uh, came from that standpoint. But once again, once I see it, I'll be better able to comment on it. When we return, we'll talk about the New York Football Giants with the head of Breaking Big Blue. He is Jordan Runoff. He is next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 1-800-919-3776. All right, Giant fans, you've been saying, Larry, all you do is talk about the Jets. Oh, Jets, 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 Jets. All you do is talk about the Jets. Well, tonight is your night. We have the guy who does a great job in covering the Jets for us one of the NFL nation of reporters for ESPN, the star of Breaking Big Blue. He is the well-dressed, savvy Jordan Runoff. Hi, Jordan. <laughs> uh, the best intro man in the business right there, Larry. No doubt. Jordan, Jordan what's going on, my friend? <laughs> Not much. All good. The dog days of summer. That's it. Having fun. So, Jordan. What- We're there. Yes, what hot. is this? Like? What? Hot, yeah, there's hot, hot and humid. Hot and humid. So, Jordan, let me start here. Uh, one of your articles yeah. today was about uh, Coach Bobby Johnson. Sorry for the role in the brawl. Jordan, it's, yeah. it's August. They're tired of beating on each other. There would have been a brawl anyway at some point. Everybody's fighting. They're angry. They're tired of beating on each other. They can't wait for somebody else to beat on. All right? I mean... Why is this such a big deal that he has to apologize? I just think it's a little bit unusual. The coaches, first of all, it was, so there was a little scrum. They, you know, Cam Brown basically pulled John Feliciano out of the pile, right, like by his shoulder, top of his shoulder pads. And John Feliciano uh, seems like a charismatic dude, almost was like playing like he was dead. It was, it was really, it was really just awkward looking. And it looked like it was about to die down, but then Bobby Johnson, who's the offensive line coach, just, you know, went after Cam Brown and pushed him. And then after that, Feliciano gets up. And so it almost, like, sparked it back up. So I think for a coach to get involved, put hands on players, and reignite what was already looked like it was dying down, I think that was a little bit excessive. And that's what prompted in this situation Bobby Johnson to then apologize for his role. And like he said, he can't do it. This won't happen again. Because you know you never really want to you never want to see coaches putting hands on players in any shape or form. So I think that's sort of why it was that part of it was like almost was really it, to me it did seem like it was out of bounds. Okay. Good. So that's it for everybody who didn't see it, because I didn't see the whole I'm looking, I'm like, wow, what did he do that the coaches gotta you know, maybe he was just trying to, you know, teach, 
Hey, George, one of those teachable moments. It about... wasn't like the usual coach pulling the guy out of the pile. You know what gotcha. I mean? Like that's gotcha. usually yeah. the coach's role. Yes. They yeah. get in between the guys. They get maybe like there's pushing, but they're in the middle of it. No, no. This right. was the coach getting too into it. You know. And Bobby Johnson's that kind of guy. Like you could just tell when when you talk to him, the dude just oozes uh, fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like one of those guys. So I got the best of him in this situation, I think. So in other words, he had a flashback. <laughs> he had a flashback. Yeah, like he wanted field. to be. He wanted to be in there. He wanted to be one of the players. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jordan, take me through um, the past couple of days. With, with the Giants and the offense. I, I read some of your reporting. I've been reading some other folks' reporting. I've been going on Twitter, and everybody's been criticizing uh, the starting quarterback of the Giants for having not the best day yesterday. And then Tyrod Taylor comes in for a couple of plays. So just take me through, because I know we can – fans love to do – and sometimes in the media we have a tendency to overreact to a bad day in August <laughs> when we're, when we're yeah. in training camp, and sometimes we just need to relax. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was a bad day in August. I mean, they clearly, the offense struggled. Daniel Jones was getting frustrated. Actually, that's why Brian Dable said today that he came out and Tyrod Taylor came in for a play because the two of them were having a conversation or were going over, like, what went wrong on a previous play. So in order to have the conversation, Dable took him out for a play and said, Tyrod, go in. And so that's actually why – that was his explanation for why Tyrod got on the field for play. But, you know, look, there's been up days and down days for this offense and for Daniel Jones. And at times it looks like the receivers and the quarterback aren't always on the same page. Uh, you know, they have, you have guys that didn't participate a ton in the spring and Kenny Galladay and uh, Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony. And Kenny Galladay are still getting, you know, sort of maintenance days. Or, or I don't know what happened to Kadarius Tony today. It looked like he kind of maybe tweaked something. He was getting stretched out by a tr trainer on the side. So when you're learning a new offense, this is kind of what you need to expect. Now, the, the problem is you don't have a ton of time to get it right because the regular season is what? Less than a month away now. What would they today? Where I guess it is. We're the we're the ninth. Uh, yeah, so it's a, a month and two days away. So it's basically a month away. So it's getting there. They have some preseason games. I don't know how much preseason game actually means either. I know we get excited. It's the same concept, right? We make a lot of it. We don't make a lot of it. It doesn't. Nothing really from the preseason totally really correlates to the regular season. So I don't know if we really should make a lot of what happens, but it's all part of the process here. I remember, and I, I brought, probably brought this up here before, when Eli Manning had to learn a new offense under Ben McAdoo, I remember it being a mess in practice every day, too. Every day, Eli's throwing multiple interceptions. It was it was tough. And you could see he's learning new footwork, and Ben McAdoo was asking totally different things than, than he was being ever being asked for before. And I was a two-time Super Bowl winner. So I think it's important to be uh, patient in this situation, but at the same time, as we're sitting here with Daniel Jones, how much longer do we got to be patient with this guy? Yeah. Like, we've been patient for three years already. So, it's one of those situations where we, we want to see it already from Daniel Jones to believe it. Otherwise, you know, time's running out. So, he doesn't have the time, obviously, that Eli Manning did because he was a two-time Super Bowl winner at that time. Jordan Run-On's my guest. You're listening to ESPN New York Tonight, the early edition on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. So, Jordan, let, let's stick with that for a second. Now, of the there's been so many different offenses and so many different coaches and so many different coordinators, <laughs> Jordan. 
I mean, yeah. as you compare them for uh, for the quarterback, what what are you what are you seeing right now? Is this in theory, is this an offense scheme wise that could work for Jan- Daniel Jones that would enable him to show what he did in his first year, Jordan, where he was pretty good, you know, percentage wise. He seemed to have a good control of the offense. His main issue was fumbling mm-hmm. and turning the football over, but he and, and some injuries, but still he he seemed to be able to manage and, and complete passes at a higher rate. And every year his percentage seems like it's gone down. Yeah, I mean, the difference to me was that year one, Daniel Jones was making mistakes. You know, we, we all, we've documented that a thousand times. But at the same time, he was still hitting plays, right? He was still hitting big plays. Now, as we went along in the Jason Garrett offense, and then Freddie Kitchens basically took over the Jason Garrett offense, it was the mistakes were decreasing, but they weren't hitting plays. So the idea here is, okay, First of all, it's a way more modern offense. We know it it can be successful because Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are bringing portions of what they did in Kansas City and Buffalo. And Lord knows we watched Kansas City play Buffalo last year in that AFC championship game, and they were doing some stuff on offense, right, Larry? I mean, nobody could stop either of those teams with the way that they were humming on offense. So they're, they're bringing a lot of those same elements in and they're trying, and they're hoping that Daniel Jones can make some of those plays that Patrick Mahomes and Dan, uh, and uh, Josh Allen did. Now, granted, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not even going to be Josh Allen. But you just want to be able, him to be able to do that to you know some degree that those guys were able to make plays in this offense. A lot of motion, a lot of you know scheming guys open and getting them open downfield uh, using the quarterback and his legs and his athletic ability as a runner. I think we're going to see that. I'm talking about designed runs. So, you know, the opportunity is there for Daniel Jones to be successful. It's just now going to be a matter of can they get it together quick enough because we talked about that before, but what it, what it involves. And, you know, can he do it to a level where the Giants say, oh, you know what? We want to move forward with this guy. We want to commit to him because the reality is Daniel Jones is a free agent after this year. So he's going to make a break evaluation year, and they're going to see what they have in him. Jordan, this offense, um, and we've, we've been talking about the offense, so let's talk about the wide receivers because their availability is, is going to be huge for what this offense can be. Because, I mean, they, they, they seem to move the ball between the 20s, but Jordan, when you got in the red zone, they were abysmal last year. And they used them and the yeah. season before. Yeah, I mean, look, that's something that when we asked, like, when, when Brian Dable, when he came in and him and Mike Kafka and they looked at it and they had to improve, like, that was, like, the number one thing. Like, we got to be better when we're in the red zone now. The wide receivers, I I feel better about Saquon Barkley this summer, right? He's healthy. He's on the field every day. He's looking good. The wide receivers, the Giants, that's where you still have pause when you look at them every day because – you look at Kenny Galladay, he was out in the spring dealing with some kind of injury. He doesn't look like he's overly explosive this summer. He was never overly explosive to begin with. How does that affect him moving forward? Is he, can he get healthier and will it get better as we go along? I think the Giants are hoping that. I don't know if they're super confident that's the case. And then Kadarius Tony again, missed the spring, had a knee procedure. He's getting rest days. 
you know, yesterday he's dropping passes. Today he leaves. Seems like he left practice earlier dealing with some kind of leg. I, I wouldn't say, I'm not even going to say problem, but some kind of leg nuisance. And so, I mean, can you count on these guys? Are they going to, like the Giants can't be good without these guys. They're not deep enough. You know, Sterling Shepard's still re- rehabbing from uh, torn Achilles. So, you know, uh, this is an offense. They're not, they're not, they don't have much of a tight end in the first place, right? They're, they're likely going to start a fourth round rookie there. So, a lot is riding on Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay. And I don't think anything we've seen this summer has left you saying, all right, these guys are back. They're healthy. They're going to be good. So it's a big concern that, that we're, you know, we are still worrying about the offensive line. You worry about the tight ends. You worry about Saquon staying healthy, whether the quarterback's good enough. And now you add wide receivers to the mix too. Ooh, that's a lot. That's why we haven't talked about the defense yet, Jordan, because the offense has been such an issue. <laughs> It, I mean, Larry, do you know what they averaged last year points-wise? Oh, I, I would have to 15, say. Yeah. 15 and change. Yeah. This is the NFL. 15 points. Yeah. Well, listen, those games that uh, Daniel Jones was out, were, were the backup quarterbacks weren't exactly, you know, uh, Steve Young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they weren't exactly True. that. Yeah. That, that contributed to that. They didn't, they didn't come near 20 points in any of those six games, I don't believe. Or one of them they did, actually. That's yeah. it. It's one just of crazy. Six. It's just crazy. Two more quick ones, yeah. Jordan, for you. Let's talk about the Let's defense. Go. We have to. Um, uh, the front, I, I, think, I think the front's going to get more pressure. I, I, I love the fact that Wink Martindale is now the defensive coordinator. He brings that physical tough. The one thing you say about those, those Ravens defenses, and I talk about it to the audience all the time, they're physical. They and they're aggressive and they're physical and they love to give you different looks. And Wink Martindale does a great job with that. I'm just curious with the secondary, the way it is right now, how much of how much confidence is he going to have to do some of the blitzes that he's been known for? Oh yeah. I wouldn't worry about him being hesitant to blitz. He, that's just not in his personality. <laughs> now, if you're really weak on the back end, you can have what happened last year in Baltimore. But the Giants, I think they're all right. And he, Wink said it the other day. Like, I love the starters. Uh, we need to figure out our depth behind them. Like, they're, they're very, very thin back there. But I think that, like you said, there's enough pass rush now. And with the way he's going to blitz and Kayvon Thibodeau being a factor, I mean, he's looked really good throughout the summer. I think he's – I mean, he looks like he's the real deal – when you have that and you have that pass, a pass rush up front and a team that can pressure the quarterbacks, I think in a way you can hide some of the deficiencies on the back end. So if, if they can pressure the quarterback, and right now it looks like, and they've done a really good job of that this summer. That was, that's maybe my biggest takeaway from camp. The defense looks like they're going to be able to get after the quarterback consistently with a combination of their improved uh, pass rushers and the defensive scheme that it'll help them. And, and, this could be a pretty good defense if they stay healthy. Not a lot of depth. That's a big thing. They need to stay healthy. You're getting ready to face the New England Patriots on Thursday. Uh, you know, I asked this of your colleague, Rich Samini of the Jets, when we spoke last night about who's going to play, who's not going to play in this era where we, we, we have three preseason games and a lot of people don't play in any of them. How, what, what's the yeah. likelihood of, of starters that we're going to see? I mean, I guess you have to. You have to start your offense because you have some decisions to make, and it's a little different because it's a new, you know, it's a new group trying to evaluate. 
But how much starters are we? How 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 long are we going to see starters? And are we going to see starters? Yeah, I think the Brian Dable philosophy is to play these guys. He wants to see. This is an evaluation. Uh, he, they're learning new schemes. His plan is to play guys now. Like if Kadarius Tony tweaked his hamstring today, which is a possibility, whatever he did to himself, like you might not see him. So injured guys, maybe not. But the plan is to play the starters now. I think what he has in mind is we'll play them and maybe one drive if it's like uh, if they if they drive the ball down the field a little bit maybe that'll be it or maybe if it's a quick three and out or three or four or five plays then we'll go to the you know we'll we'll get him out for a second drive but I think that seems to be the plan definitely not a full half maybe a quarter probably even a little less but you're going to see these guys out there on Thursday against New England and also in the preseason and not just offense Larry Defense, too. You're going to see the Giants starters play this preseason. That seems to be Brian Dable's uh, philosophy. That's good. you got to evaluate, and that's the way to evaluate until the season starts. That's that's the way to do it. It is. You don't have a choice. I mean, there's a lot of guys with something to prove here. A lot of guys. Jordan, my friend, great job as always. We'll uh, be reading you and following you and seeing what's going on on Thursday night. Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Speak soon, Larry. Have a great show. All right. Thank you, sir. That's Jordan Runon, who covers the Giants for us on ESPN. When we return, we'll get your Giant thoughts. And the Jets fans, you can call into on, uh, looks like Makai Beckton is done for the year. 1-800-919-3776. Your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. I'm very curious to see and happy that Brian Dayball is going to get his players out there. And I do think it is a a tough balance, right? Because you have so many injuries that happen in preseason that decide your season. You go back to last year. You go back to Carl Lawson being hurt. That was a major impact on what the Jets were going to do defensively. There's a number of injuries around the league where preseason, it's hard to come back from that. Right, you end up with your guy lost for the season, Makai Beckton this year, uh, done for the year now. Apparently, with with the with the injured knee, he's getting a second opinion. Uh, you look at how that changes your whole season. How many quarterbacks get hurt in the preseason? How do you see you see now? Maybe just one drive, depending on how good it is. If it's a long drive, he's out. Okay, I, I can't take that chance, and you understand it. But also, with one less preseason game, there are decisions that have to be made by football teams of, to, the, to make sure that you have the right people on your roster, to make sure that you can pick folks who can be on special teams that add depth to your roster, that add depth to your team, that you can put on hide maybe on the practice squad, okay, and then move them up. These are things that you have to – you need to make plays. You need to make decisions. And in this case, you're looking at a quarterback that you have to make a decision on. Right? He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's playing for his next contract. So you would think that's a good good situation for the Giants because he's going to give you the best he, the best he can. And he realizes that this is a new regime that has no allegiance to him. They don't care whether what he's done. If he is not what he's if he cannot carry out what he's supposed to do with this offense under this scheme, then he's gone. So there's a lot of pressure on him to show what he can do. And there's a lot of pressure on his teammates. When you think about it, 
everybody is playing for their football position. Okay, some guys have contracts. I get it. Some guys are, you know, not they're, they're all not created equal. But there are some guys who are trying to make a football team. There are some guys who have been on the edge, and now they have been big or contributors under the previous regime of Joe Judge the past two seasons. Okay, they got to prove themselves all over again. Joe Judge is not here. You got to show that you can play and adapt to what Brian Dayball and his staff are asking for. And so to do that, you need to play. You need to see. You need to see what's happening. So once again, during practices, I just caution folks. Sometimes players are working on certain things. Sometimes players have bad days. You can't just rush to judgment. All right? And I understand for Giant fans, it's tricky because you're waiting to decide on what Daniel Jones really is. And you're looking to see, okay, here's a head coach who had, okay, Josh Allen. And look at what Josh Allen is. Well, remember, Josh Allen didn't start out the way he looked last season. (laughs) Josh Allen was a, a quarterback who could run with the football to make some plays. He stood in the pocket. He moved out of the pocket. He was not great his first couple of years. Even his first playoff, he was not fabulous. He's gotten better. He's worked harder. He's learned. And also, what Buffalo did was they surrounded him with better talent. Every year, they got a little better. Understanding that, hey, our quarterback's making a leap. Now we have to add and make some more plays or players around him to help him get even better. So that's the scenario that uh, right now where the Giants are. So listen, that's what you're looking for. That's what you're hoping for. If you're a Giant fan and you look at these preseason games to kind of give you a gauge, because I guarantee you, even though the defense throws certain things at the offense and the offense throws certain things at the defense every day, eventually you kind of figure out what each, each side of the ball is doing. That's why it's imperative for you to face somebody else. And it's going to be interesting tests for both local football teams later this week on Thursday and Friday with the Giants and Jets, respectively. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.